Try again. Toro Resource presents the Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up? And shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Hag. With me, as always, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going? That is Bruchim Habaim in Hebrew. Welcome. Yes. Yes, welcome. What up and shalom to everybody in the chat room. What up and shalom to everybody listening out there on the airwaves. Uh, we hope that you're having a good Wednesday morning. That's when uh, this show airs live. And uh, if you're listening to it recorded or on YouTube, then welcome to you as well. How you been, Rob? Still, I think I think the live uh, vibe carries over even into the recording. I'm sure it does. So we hope it does. Our spirits are with you who are listening to a recording. I got, uh, I'm, so I'm trying to do that for everyone who's listening. I'm a little discombobulated this morning. I've been all over the place. Um, I'm, so normally I have another computer here, and actually the computer's here, but it's not open because I don't have an internet connection to it today. Originally, I was going to try to use this as a soundboard, which ended up not working. So I had to do it all on one computer. So I'm trying to juggle all these things and be able to see the chat room, be able to see my notes, be able to see... Uh, you know, I, and now, but the nice thing is, is that in the endeavor to try to produce this show, uh, you know, we have a lot of different hands that go into this show. For instance, uh, I, I, you know, I should thank these people every single week, but, uh, I, it slips my mind. Uh, the show is also brought to you, not just by Rob Van Hoff and myself, Caleb Hegg, but we actually have other hands that go into this. Uh, Gary Springer is, uh, our tech guy. He basically, uh, helps us with everything, and he he runs the radio show, so he's our programmer. And then we also have Mark Randall; uh, he is also known as the Axe Man in the chat room. So if you get out of line in the chat room, he kicks you off. He is the one who's pro- who has produced the all of our websites and has uh, produced the chat for us. So if it fails, it's his fault. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm totally playing. No, a big thanks to those guys. But basically, I I produce the show live as we go along, and so um, in my endeavor to try to produce this show better every single time, I have now gotten a soundboard for my uh, computer. So now I have. You know, now I can do stuff like this on the fly. I can also do stuff like, let's see here. Uh, what was what was a good one? I like mm, L. And on the twist of a word, <laughs> everything changes. Uh, that says it all right there. I think we're done with the show. <laughs> that's it. We're done. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been that fun. Flip. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some stuff. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I guess that's enough for the introductions. A big hello to everyone and a big what up and shalom. Hey, we got a lot of people in the in the chat room right now. I want to welcome everybody. I know I've already said that, but uh, it's really nice to have interaction going on. I'm not going to be able to really respond to the chat room a lot because I don't have an extra computer here and I'm trying to do other things today. So, um, yeah, but uh, I'm still reading the comments. So keep the comments going. So yesterday, in the mail, check this out. Okay, first thing that came, 
was this envelope, and it had 10 cents. I don't know if uh, – well, people can't see it right now, but – um, so it has this envelope. It says, this coin, and this is the outside of the envelope, before you open anything up, okay? It says, this coin, and there's 10 cents that you can see through the envelope. You mean like a dime? A dime. That's what it is. It says, this coin, and then underlined, it says, holds the secret, then un-underlined, un- un- to transforming the lives of thousands, and unlocking, then underlined again, God's blessing for you. Now, usually when I get these things, I, now, I've kind of made a hobby in my life of collecting different mail-outs from TV evangelists. I know that's a weird thing, but uh, I have prayer cloths from uh, all different, you know, pop-off and all these guys. I have a prayer rug, uh, all, all sorts of stuff. And it's all comes in envelopes exactly like this. It, it looks exactly like this. So what do I think? I think, oh. This is one of my, you know, TV evangelists sending me stuff. No, it is not. It's not, folks. This is straight from, and I, I hope I don't offend anyone with this, but this is what they sent me. Jewish Voice Ministries International. Do you know who this is? Rabbi Jonathan? You know who I'm talking about? He has his own TV show. I do not know. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I just... He you sent know. you a dime? Yeah, he sent me a dime, and basically what I'm supposed to do now is take this dime and, I don't know, pray over it or something, who knows, and then put it back in to this envelope right here with uh, my donation of... What does it say here? My donation of... Oh, here it is. $12 helps one patient. 60 uh helps five. And it keeps going up, up, up. And it, your donation of $60 or more gets you a free shofar. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, look, I'm all about... How many hel- dimes do you suppose they sent out? <sighs> Who knows? That's... Uh... It's To me, this is... this is uh, It's unfortunate, honestly. I understand that they're trying to help people. I called them and asked, asked them how much of my donation would actually go to Ethiopia and how much would... Go back into their ministry. The lady said 30% goes back into the ministry. 70% goes to Ethiopia, which is actually a good split, believe it or not. But I think what really uh, what really disheartened me is the tactic. This to me is a, this is not, this is not, uh, you know, it bugs me when ministries are asking for a lot of donations anyway. Okay, that, that gets on my nerves. But this is beyond asking for money. This is pulling on heartstrings, and this is a tactic to get money. And that's disheartening to me, especially from a group, a Messianic group, Jewish Voice International. Oh, it's Messianic. Yeah, it's Messianics. And then, and this is the very same day yesterday, my dad's at the post office, and they, and they said, oh, we thought you left this CD. So months ago, they said, we thought you left this CD here. My dad said, no, it's, it's not my CD. I said, okay. Well, uh, well, they put up a sign saying that somebody had left a CD in the post office. Nobody claimed it. So yesterday they asked my dad, hey, do uh, do you want this? My dad says, yeah, sure. It's called From Rabbi's Heart to Yours. It's our good friend with the zipper uh, to leet, uh, Rabbi K.A. Schneider. 
Now, the first question I have when I see a CD cover like this, it says, from the rabbi's heart, it's over a heart. It has, you know, K.A. Schneider on the front reading a book. Then it has something on the back. And let's see, I think I pulled some clips of this. That was just like sitting around at the post office? Yeah. Yes, it was. Like you're in line at the post office and like, oh, there's a CD. And they're like, oh, there yeah, someone is. left it there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wonder if someone was packing like an envelope to mail and like they left one thing on the counter. I actually got, I pulled clips from this because uh, it's, well, I suppose I can tell you about it now anyway. But we're going to talk about some of the clips out of this uh, in, a, in a little little bit later seg- segment. But I thought, okay, you know, the first thing that I think when I see somebody like this, see something like this, from Rabbi's Heart, okay, what rabbinical school did he go to? That's the first question I would have. But then I realize I know this guy. It's the and you know, I he seems very genuine to be honest with you. He seems very like he loves the Lord. Has a great testimony. Um I think he's very misguided in a lot of different things. No education, it seems. It seems, I don't know. But basically in here you got this CD and you got a DVD. I'm sorry if, if this is horribly boring to everyone, I apologize. But Caleb, I'm wondering cuz I'm like I'm it's, it's okay. kind of sad that those who aren't paying attention to the message board like from the recording cuz I'm having fun watching people front or back comments. zipper. But I'm wondering what's the delay time between like it's, when we talk? It's, it's about 30 to 40 seconds. Oh, okay. So I'm probably wondering why I'm typing what I'm typing. Exactly. Like, That's right. I'm giving a running commentary on, on what you're saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so the, so this guy, he puts a CD and a DVD in here. Now, I'm thinking, okay, and he starts the whole thing out, and he says, uh, you know, I, I don't like it when ministries ask for money, but. But. And then he he says he's going to pray over everyone, and then he's going to give a biblically based message. I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's a teaching. It's a teaching. That's what he, that's what it is. It's a teaching. He's going to teach something. Um, it is a 18 minute video, and his biblically based message is seven reasons why you should covenant with the Lord by sending them money. Now this guy's not messianic, right? He is. Oh, this guy too is. Yeah. Oh man, I got hit with the with the fundraising stuff all at once. So sad. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we're we're gonna come back to that. We will come back to that. I promise. Let me get to my show notes real quick. Okay, so and there's so much to talk about today. And once again, the other day I was thinking, man, what are we gonna talk about? I even put something up on Facebook. Okay. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess let's start with, uh, oh, okay, so somebody sent me this. This is this is amazing. I figured that we're starting to get repeat emails, and not repeat, but people are asking us about stuff that, ha- that we've talked about on previous shows in the past season. And so what I want to talk about today is we're going to rehash some of the stuff that we've talked about in previous episodes, and I apologize for anyone who is well-versed in this kind of stuff, but it, this kind of stuff, is it, it needs to be talked about. Um, let's go to, let's go to, well, should we go to Stepikoff first? Last week we talked about Stepikoff and I, you know, I think we, maybe we should talk about him first. Okay. So this guy, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi quotations, Rabbi Stepikoff down in Florida, he has this webinar. He's been teaching on two house and one law. And I watched a little bit of it last night. I started watching it again this morning. And just started pulling clips again because it's just unbelievable, this guy. 
Um, and he, he said that two house and one law people we're not two house, by the way, for anybody who, if you don't know what two house is, maybe that's better. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, so I got an email today from my good friend, Andrew, Andrew wrote this. He said at last night's webinar with Michael Stepkoff, we were taught that the root motivation of the two house, one law and, and Stepkoff, uh, puts these two things together, two house and, and, and one law, which they, they shouldn't be put together, but okay, whatever. The stu- uh, so the root motivation of the two house, one law movement is anti-Semitism, which has its roots in the spirit of envy. This is interesting because Stepkoff is the uh-huh. one who is, he says that we're, that us Gentiles are envious of the Jews. What I really think is that the scripture already told us that the Jews were going to be jealous of the Gentiles. Wow. And so I don't think it's that we are being envious. I think it's that so Stepkov... So let me hear what you're saying. So he, uh, Stepakov's accusation is that Gentiles who are pursuing Torah are envious. That's right. So he's made that ruling. And what wow. I'm saying is that we're not envious. He's jealous that we're trying to keep so, Torah. So how does he know? How does he know the heart of a... How, how does he know? Good question. You know, this is the guy, he's on the steering committee of the IMCS. They wrote this paper. Uh, we've talked about this many times before. They told, they basically told, said in this paper that my father, Tim Hegg, teaches a salvation by works gospel, which he doesn't. So my father called for them to, to uh, retract that and to uh, publicly apologize. They still have not done that. Let's keep going with this email uh, from our good friend, Andrew. He also called John Calvin a classic anti-Semite. So I don't know. I didn't hear that part. I don't know exactly. Uh, you know, now I, I believe our friend Andrew is it actually holds to uh, an Armenian viewpoint. So, but you know, it, that doesn't matter. Why? It does that. Is he then saying that anyone who holds to the five points of Calvin are then anti-Semitic? I don't know. Anyway, let's keep going. This is from Andrew's email. Well, you know what? Anti-Semitism is a that's a hot word. If you're going to accuse somebody, yeah, that, exactly. Let alone, you know, because if you go if you go far enough, go to the Tobias Singer who says that Matthew 23 is one of the most anti-Semitic texts in the New Testament. Right? I mean that they're they should start using this as a label to scare people, scare you know, unknowing Jews, oh, I don't want to be associated with that because that's anti-Semitic without even investigating anything. I mean, what court is he going to that's given this ruling? It reminds me of that quote from FFOZ last week that said something about Calvin, too, being like somewhere, I don't know. Well, when when you you use the word anti-Semitism or say that that someone is anti-Semitic, them there are fighting words. Okay, let's keep going with this uh, with this email. As the evening unfolded, he stepped in, uh, stepped it up a bit and compared two house, one law believers to those involved in the Christian identity movement. In other words, the white supremacy groups. <laughs> this guy, Rabbi, is pumping out a lot of misinformation to, the, to his community, totally disheartening to, to witness. His source for all of this misinformation appears to be the positional paper, One Law, Two Sticks, which he helped write, by the way. It is good to know uh, what is going on out there, but at the same time, disheartening. For some reason, he is really down on education. Yeah, 
uh, that is not surprising uh, at all. Your mom goes to college. Um, so for some reason, he's really down on education, which seems to be a typical old-time Pentecostal approach. That's true. The Pentecostals wanted to throw out uh, – so did the Hasids. Believe it or not, the Hasids were down on, on – uh, you know, basically it was let's put away Torah study, and it's all about prayer now. And the Pentecostals and the, the, the Quakers, same thing. They basically said it's not about education. It's not about any of that. We let the Spirit lead us, um, and that's, you know – so anyway, okay. So I have a couple of uh, clips from Stepakoff last night. I only have two of them. I don't even know if they're wor- if it's worth our time. What do you think, Rob? Should we listen to a couple? Let's give him one. We'll give him one. Okay, see how it goes. Um, let's see here. Oh, <laughs> this one's interesting. We might need to play both these. Hang on, just a sec. I'm opening this clip. My computer's running at like half the speed because where did it go? There it is. Here we go. This is a long clip, by the way. Oh, wait. That's not the one I wanted either. Let's do this one instead. Sorry, I had to open a program. Bear with me, folks. Here we go. 59 seconds. We need a, cr- we need a cricket sound. Uh, uh, you need a cr- cricket clip. sound? Well, so, like, when, when those... When those <laughs> you know what I mean? When, when you have the moment where you're looking for something, you can at least play the cricket sound. It'll go cricket, cricket. Like that. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Oh, wait, what am I doing here? My word, I'm all over the place. Okay, step a cough, here we go. Caleb stopped Paul drinking told coffee. the Galatians, okay, if you are circumcised, Messiah will profit you nothing. He flat out told them, you do not need to be circumcised. Wrong. That's huge, because you see, in Judaism... Hang on just a sec. We have to stop right there. For anyone who's listening who has not listened for a long time, we adamantly oppose that view. Um, and, and So basically what Stepakov has done here is he's taken one verse, he's disregarded all the rest of the scripture, he's taken one verse, and he's building theology on one verse. That's one of our red flags. Yeah, and he doesn't even know what he's talking about. And he doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay, let's keep going here. So Stepakov now... and. I can only imagine that this comes from a place of of un of uneducation, not being educated uh, to look at all of the text. That's or what, ignorance. Or ignorance. That's right. Let's keep going. That's huge because you see in Judaism, circumcision is the is the is the I'm going to use a Latin term here. The sine qua non, which is the. Uh, Without which it can't be. It's like it's the threshold. Circumcision is the very threshold to being Jewish. That's why in the Torah you could not partake of the Passover under the old covenant unless you were circumcised. That's that's a hook, a statue. No uncircumcised person shall eat of it. Wait for it. Because the Passover is the threshold of entry into the covenant people. Well, you know what? It still is. The Passover is the Passover lamb, but you don't have to be circumcised in the flesh to partake of the Passover lamb. You have to be circumcised in the heart. And the Passover of the lamb is Yeshua HaMashiach. He's the Passover lamb. I'm not just saying that to be nice. Okay, so now I'll give him, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. I think what he's saying is, is that you don't have to be circumcised 
to have Yeshua as your Passover lamb. Salvation has nothing to do with circumcision. He's right. Okay, he's right about that. But you can't just say that you don't have to be circumcised to partake in the Passover lamb anymore. That's not true. The Torah still holds its weight. If the if the temple is built and the Passover lamb is slaughtered on Passover as it should be on the 14th, right? What do you think, Rob? Am I am I out to lunch on this one? Yeah, I just think the uh, <laughs> Yeah. I I know this guy doesn't uh I'm pretty confident, I don't know for a fact, that he just doesn't know the scriptures. He doesn't know. He, when he, he's taking that Galatians 5, uh, like 1 or 3 or something like that, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally out of context. Same way FFOZ is taking it totally out of context. They, they're trying to understand Paul by looking at later rabbinic conceptions maps of the world and it's it's just bad you know it's, Ka- it's Callie in the tra- chat room puts it nicely she says if Yeshua taught against the literal command of circumcision then according to Deuteronomy he was a false prophet <laughs> exactly okay right then you'd have to say that when Paul circumcised Timothy yeah in Acts 16 that he put Timothy under a curse and Timothy actually now is uh, uh, what is what is it uh, fallen from grace he's like separated from Christ why would Paul do that to Timothy? Boy, that's mean. Yeah, yeah this this well, Rabbi Stepakov is ignorant. No, He's now ignorant. Rob. He's no, ignorant. No, Rob. Let's not let's not call, let's not use names. Okay, let's move okay, on. I, it, it seems ignorant. This this is okay for those who have never heard this show before. Maybe you're messianic. You're coming into this show. You don't know anything about us. Maybe you're a Christian who stumbled upon us on TuneIn Radio. Um, who knows? I don't know how, maybe somebody handed you a CD of one of our shows and now you're listening. Maybe this is your first show. There is a very prominent guy out there who seems to be very well received by Messianics and Christians alike. His name is Rabbi, I'm using the quote marks, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. Okay. Now, somebody sent me this, this, this link. This is so awesome. Basically, here's my argument against Khan, okay? I believe that Khan is is a uh, genuine guy. I think he truly believes what he's saying. I think that he uh, got a little bit of taste of, of uh, I don't know, stardom or something. And uh, now he's, he's using that. And he needs to keep writing. So he's making all these books and all these uh, DVDs and everything. He misuses the word mystery, first of all. He constantly says everything is a mystery. Uh, that he doesn't. I don't think he understands the, how the word mystery works. Here's my big problem with Khan, though. What Khan does, and he said that he doesn't do this, and so people, oh, if he said he d- doesn't do this, then he must be telling the truth. He take he, he has taken the message of replacement theology, and he has wrapped it up in this Jewish messianic bow and represented it to Christians and to messianics, and everybody's just fallen all over themselves for this. It's replacement theology. Let me explain that real quick so that you don't think I'm just going off, uh, you know, half-cocked here. What Khan has said is that America is falling victim to the curses of the covenant of Israel. And they're, the reason that that's happening is because the founding fathers of America 
place themselves under the word of God. They built this, this country on the word of God. Okay. And so now, since they haven't kept God's commandments, God is judging them. And God is judging them according to the covenant. And these covenant curses are now coming upon America. Here's the problem with that. America is not Israel. America can't just say, oh, we want to be a part of Israel's covenant. God didn't offer the covenant to America. God offered it to Israel. It is Israel's covenant, not America's. Somebody can't just say, oh, I want that covenant. And then it applies to them. That's not how it works. So if the, if the, you can only assume that if the covenant curses apply to America, then what else applies to America? The covenant blessings apply to America as well. If they keep the covenant, then they'll be blessed. If they break it, they'll be cursed. That is putting America in Israel's place. That is what replacement theology is. Does he push that so far to say that Americans should be keeping Shabbat and no, of course he's, not. He's part of the MJAA, so he thinks Torah has been d- done away with. I, I oh, so can only and assume. Stepa, he and Stepakoff are in similar. I, I can I can only assume that they are just good chums. Okay, they're both they're both rabbis. But this is this is where it gets real fun. Okay. Oh, I thought we were already having fun. Well, we are having fun. Listen to this. This is the, this just came out, <laughs> not even a month ago. Uh, I'm going to have to stop this and do a little explaining here and there, but let's just get right into it. So what happened is that that on, on this day in autumn, suddenly the Associated Press, not Christian, not, not prophecy, they send forth an image to America, and the image is of the cow with the number seven on its head. Okay, now what he's talking about, I'm going to stop it here for you. What he's talking about is in Pittsburgh... Okay. There was a picture of a cow. It's black and white. There's a white spot on the cow's head that is in a perfect seven shape. Comes down to the nose. The the bottom of the seven comes down to the nose. Okay. Cool. I didn't see that. What the Associated Press said is, oh, and this is at the beginning of the football season, last football season. What the Associated Press said is, it's a sign that the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Right, and I don't know. It's like Roethlisberger's number or something. I don't know. I, I'm. I don't know. Okay, so they say it's a sign. It's funny, you know. They're having a good time with it. So that this is what the Associated Press uh, gets out of it. Let's go back to Con. That's the image that goes through the world. Now, just to set it up for those not the the biblical the biblical basis of this is this that when God warned Egypt of the coming of Seven years of famine, the changing of seven, seven, again, Shemitah, seven years of abundance to seven years of famine. It's the Pharaoh who has the dream, and the dream is of the seven cows. And those cows, each cow represents a year. The first seven represents years of prosperity. The second seven, the sickly, or in Hebrew, the evil cows, represent the years of famine. So every cow, this is the first biblical symbol given in the Bible of the warning of economic Famine, collapse, is that of a cow. Every cow represents a year. And so the key turning point is the cow number seven. That's the last year. Not only the, that would represent the Shemitah, because it's the seventh year it represents, but, it's the, but it also rep, represents the turning point of, from a prosperity to famine. Okay? So you've got that all there. And then so, so what happens? Now the Associated Press sends this image to America 
of cow number seven, the biblical imagery that God warned Egypt about now coming to America. And what data is it released to America? Oh, it's released on go. September 25th, the opening day of the seventh year, the very opening day of the Shemitah. Oh. The wow. symbol, the biblical symbol of the seventh year comes out on the opening day of the seventh year. Oh, my word. Well, there you have it. There you have it, folks. Uh, there you have it. Now, it gets, it gets even better. Okay? It does get even better. Did you need a comedy drum? Is that what was going on? So was it was it was it born on that day? That's the day that the, no, you wait, hang on just a sec. That's the day that the image went out. Oh, the official release, release of was the associated image with the year of release. That's right. Now, okay, I now, get it. Now, hang on just a sec. Releasing the image is the release of the Shemitah year. Okay, so wait, hang on just a sec. You see the parallel? Okay, yeah, yeah. I get the parallel. Hang on, check this out though. So, you would think that okay, one cow that represents the first seven of, of plenty. So if you only have one cow, what's happening next? Disaster for seven years, right? Okay. But I, let's just listen to the next clip. This is unbelievable. Did you know that I just looked it up? They named it Baby Ben, which is yeah. Benjamin. Oh, he brings that up in the clip. All this is in your show notes, too, Ooh. by the way. Here we go. Listen to this. First of all, for a cow to have a number seven to begin with, that's something. That's beyond. But then to have... That's something. That's something. That's a sign. That is a sign right there. Okay, hang on. Let's and since I'm a sign seeker, cow- <laughs> I found a sign. Okay, here we go. Hang on. Since the seventh oh. year. So you have... And that's not... It's the Shemitah. So here it goes out on that day. Now I come here, and this is all part of God's, I believe, working. I'm sharing it with you here last time. And then it turns out, and I, I only know this because I watched the show. To- <laughs> Hang on just a second. <laughs> I, have to, I have to stop. Steven, Steven in the chat room says, what about the, about the talking donkey sign? There is an abundance of talking donkeys in America. <laughs> Okay, hang on. Keep, let's keep going. Do we have any animal signs? From Texas. Uh, we need like F a cow man. clip or something. <laughs> okay, anyway. Here we go. Two farmers from Texas. Yes. Um, Hep and Pam. Is Hep that it? Hep and, and Pam. And so he said, yeah. well, we have a cow like that. We have a calf that was just born. And then he looked. Yeah, and then you, what I, what I saw here is that you looked at your records, and you actually put the timing of the birth of the cow. And when you looked at the timing of the cow, it was born on September 25th, the same opening day of the Shemitah, the opening of the seventh year. The same day they released day. the Not image. only is it enough to have a cow with the number seven, now there are two cows with the number seven, and both the same exact day. That's what do like you think, home. Rabbi? Do you, what do you well, think God's saying through it, this? Well, it, well, I Rabbi, that. tell us what God means. <laughs> Yeah. My first chance. <laughs> one is, I mean, one is the Bible speaks in, in the matters of judgment, there have to be two witnesses. Oh, oh listen to the crowd just Before eat it up. the matter of judgment can be passed, there are two witnesses. Here there are two cows with the number seven 
confirming the second confirming wait, wait uh, hang on just a sec first of all let's just say let's just can an animal testify let's clarify this real quick if you had two of them if you had two of them and it makes 14 wouldn't that mean that all of it's over how does this mean that the second one is starting that the second half is starting <laughs> okay caleb i just i don't know well, I, I, I we got a minute know. left on this clip. Let's listen to the end of this. Confirmation, two witnesses of this, of this phenomenon. That's the first thing. Uh, secondly, it's interesting because there are different types of cows. I mean, when one was male and one is female, <gasps> one is a oh. red heifer. Oh. I mean, on top of everything, red heifer, <laughs> which is, oh, you know. This is the crowd eat it up. Cow, right? Yeah. It's a spiritual but, cow. I mean, but, that's, that's a biblical. But, yeah. But notice something in, in the, it's kind of completes it all because in the, in the warning that was given to Egypt through the dream of Pharaoh, it wasn't just seven cows. I don't even... Okay, wait, let's stop this. I don't even need to... There's 41 seconds left on this clip. It's so stupid. I don't even want to to, to go on with it. It's that dumb. Um, can, it's I, it's a, the fascination with signs. I cannot believe that people is, buy this. Yeah, is... is uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand... Don't don't people have better things? I mean, isn't there more important things to be doing? I, like just studying God's word, you know, learning Bible languages. No, it's not because people. I've said this before. It's like you come out of the church into the Messianic movement. You feel like all of a sudden your eyes have been opened to all this wonderful stuff. You feel like you've been lied to by the church before. Like your whole life, you've been lied to by the church. And now what? Now you get this almost high from like learning and like it's it's so great your mind is being constantly blown. And what Khan is trying to do is he's trying to continue on that mind blowing. You had that taste once. Now if you just stay in the messianic movement, so what that you know your mind was blown a couple years ago. That's died down now. Now what do you got? You got to have some new set. Right. You got to have something of- new. Exactly. It's like the the tabloids at the checkout counter at the grocery store. Yeah. Now, if they find some, like two babies were born with a six on their forehead, <laughs> that would be weird. Don't do that. Khan's going to start looking for him if he hears that. <laughs> okay, uh, this is so, taking... You know, did you ever take, like, you know, comparative religion, you know, they yeah. talk... There's... Uh, who was I talking to about? I think it was my son, Andrew. That, like, the Chinese government is, like, going to decide... How where the Dalai Lama will be reincarnated and like how the signs will be interpreted. In other words, you've got the same thing in, in like these religions where they think that there's certain signs they need to read in order to know who's the next like spiritual leader of you know the Eastern religion or whatever. Anyway, and on the twist of a word, everything changes. Okay, uh, we've taken way more time than I thought we were going to on this opening stuff. Let's uh, get to what it's all about. Today we're going to once again reach into the Robin Caleb Show mailbag and we're going to answer some emails. Here we go. Mail time. Okay, it's mail time. And so let's go straight into it. Uh, we got a, this is from our friend Adam. 
He writes this email. He says, my question is, is the tithe still relevant today? My wife and I currently give monthly to an organization, hopefully ours, that blesses Israel. I'm playing, of course. Um, We have always tithed somehow and have been told, even in Messianic congregations, that the tithe should go to the local body. We can't really find where that switch is made in the word, but I've always felt the need to give it. What do y'all think? Well, the reason that uh, I'm, I would say that the reason that you uh, haven't found that switch in the Bible is because it's not there. Um, let's first talk about what the tithe is. The tithe is, uh, and this is one thing that I, I love about uh, about the inconsistency of the Christian church. Now, I consider myself a Christian, so please don't, you know, don't turn your radio off quite yet. Um, I consider myself a Christian, but I find a lot of, you know, ironic things within the church. This is one of them. The church continues to say, oh, the law has been done away with. You don't, you don't need to do the law anymore. Get rid of the law. But then they say, we want to make sure you're given 10% to the church. Well, the tithe is in the Torah. It is not in the apostolic scriptures. And the places, well, I shouldn't say that. The places where it is in the apostolic scriptures is talking about the actual tithe. Remember that when the apostolic scriptures or the New Testament, as some of our listeners might know it as, uh, during that time period, the temple was still standing for the most part. I think Hebrews was written after the destruction of the temple or maybe while it was being destroyed, something like that. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, the apostolic scriptures as a whole, for the most part, were written while the temple was standing. So you still had the tithe. What is the tithe? Is the tithe 10% of everything that you own? No, it's not. The tithe is actually has to do with land and has to do with the fact that the land of Israel, not the U.S., as Khan would like to have us believe, but the land of Israel is God's land. It belongs to God. It does not belong to us. It belongs to him. And so the tithe is the uh, 10% of the harvest from the land. It has nothing to do with money. You could not bring money as the tithe. Jump in here anytime, Rob. Oh, you're doing great, man. (laughs) Um, So the tithe is not, you can't can't bring money as the tithe. The tithe supports the Levites. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. It's who have no inheritance in the land. So the Levites didn't get a piece of land. All the other tribes got a piece of land. They were given 48 cities and pasture land surrounding the cities, six of which were right cities of refuge. But, uh, but yeah, they didn't have, they weren't invested in the agricultural um, project. Yeah, exactly. So to be able to feed the, the Levites and their families keep them employed, basically, we had to bring different things. Now, there was monetary value. Once a year, the the half shekel had to be brought. And of course, during the the Second Temple period especially, uh, this was all very corrupt. So the priesthood was very corrupt. They were uh, they they were scamming people out of money. They you know, and Yeshua goes into the temple complex and he turns over all this stuff. Why does he do that? Well, because the priests were basically saying you can't bring your own animal to sacrifice. Yeah, it has to be one of ours. That way, we can make sure that it's that it's uh, you know unblemished. And and then what would they do? They would hike the price way up. So if you wanted to come and buy a, a perfect animal, it was inflated astronomically. Uh, 
you know. Um, so anyway, all these things uh, went into effect. Let's listen to some. Let's listen to some. Let's see here, K. Schneider. I don't want K. Schneider. Well, and this is. I mean, this is even from Messianics. I wonder if we. Okay, so. Let's listen to what Christians say first. Here is a sound clip from, and once again, this is all in your show notes. This is actually quite a long one. I just pulled the entire video. This is a video that was made by a Baptist church, okay? Let's listen to it. Meet Bob. Bob's been coming to church for a while now. Amidst the busyness of work and life, he wants to grow closer to the Lord, but he feels like something's missing. He reads his Bible, well, sometimes. He's attending a home group and even listening to podcasts of old sermons. But try as he might, he just feels like something's missing. What's missing? Then Bob heard a teaching on giving financially. Oh. He felt a little convicted, knowing that he and his family were not regularly tithing 10%. But he wondered, does God really command me to give the first 10% to the church? Does no. the church really even need the money? Oh, what's in it for me? Why should I give? Bob decided to dig a little deeper and look into it for himself. So he opened his Bible. Good job, Bob. And really didn't know where to look. So we Googled Bible passages about money. He was very surprised to find a large number of verses about tithing. Oh. And not just in the Old Testament. Jesus himself taught about tithing to the local church. Now mm-hmm. Bob was feeling Wait, good. hang on just a sec. He I got to I got to stop right there. Where does Yeshua... Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Yeshua taught about find that little segment. Let's go again. It's about tithing, and not just in the Old Testament. Jesus right himself taught about tithing to the local church. Now Bob was really feeling convicted. <laughs> he was beginning to see why the tithe was so important. It wasn't about the church needing money or trying to scam him in some way. It was a question of the heart. Bob repented of his disobedience. Oh, he repented. He returned the first ten percent of his income to God. He was pleasantly surprised to see. Okay, so I think you get the idea. We don't need to play the whole clip. Um, I like the like Jesus taught about tithing to the local church. Bob repented. And Bob <laughs> repented. Um, so I'm glad Bob. I'm I'm glad Bob opened his Bible. Okay, I, I want to quickly say this. Look, the the fact of the matter is, is that our congregations look, and you know, I go to a congregation where we have a building that we rent. Uh, you know, I know that uh, there are other people, even people in the forum right now, uh, you know, Rob himself, of course, and then we have Andrews in there. His congregation meets at a beautiful place. And uh, and so, I mean, these things cost money. You can't just say, oh, we're going to have a group. And once it gets big enough that it can't stay, stay in a home anymore, you know, that's it. If you want to, to keep going with fellowship and whatnot, and you want to, things, you know, Oh, not long ago at our congregation, we said, oh, we need money. You know, we brought it to the congregation. We need money for, for to help fix the copier. And somebody said, well, why would we need a copier? People don't put two and two together that, you know, the hand, every handout that we give out on Shabbat, every kid's lesson with the coloring pages and all that, those are all copied. So it costs money to keep these things going. And if you want, if you like that, that kind of stuff, Okay then um, it costs money. And you're going to have to give some money to the congregation if you want to benefit from those things. There's no doubt about that. But that's not a tithe. 
You're not required to give anything. Have you ever heard people say, like, yeah, I tithe, like, 8%? Or, like, they tithe. In other words, they don't realize. I've talked to a number of people throughout the years where tithe, and then they have to clarify that it's not 10%. They don't understand that tithe is a word based on, it means 10%. You can't tithe something. You can't tithe something that's. <laughs> that's not 10%, in other words. But, but also, the point is, the tithe defined by the Torah is for produce produced in the land of Israel. That's right. So it I'm goes not. to the priests and the Levites, according to, you know, there's different years for different things. But the point is, that's, that's what it is. Um, you can't tithe, you wouldn't tithe, you couldn't bring, in other words, let's say we're back in the temple <clears throat> period, and someone, some Jewish person had land in Rome, well, they it, they wouldn't take a tenth of their produce and, and take bring it to it. Israel as if that was the tithe. a tithe. The Levites would be going, what are you doing? That's Yeah, that's great, sure, yeah, we use some good grain here, but that's not a tithe, that is, it's not from the land. Anyway, um, the point here is is that if you, I'm sorry, I'm reading the chat. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, that uh, Andrew's group actually got uh, taken out of the place that they're in. They're they're meeting somewhere. But anyway, the whole point. That's not the point. Anyway, okay. Um, the whole point is that yes, you should give to your community, uh, if especially if your community is in need. I'll be honest. I will be completely honest. Uh, I haven't given to my community in quite some in quite a few months, and the reason why is is because uh, I I know what the finance uh, financial situation is. Our money is going to other ministries, so my wife and I give to other ministries. And if my uh, community does need help, then of course we would for sure step up and start giving you know back to the community. Um, but I don't feel that we're required to give ten percent. Let's listen to some messianics on this subject. This is uh, from this lovely CD, okay? From, from the heart of the from, rabbi. From Rabbi's Heart to yours, K.A. I forget what this guy's name is. Anyway, the zipper guy. The zipper rabbi. Rabbi Zipperstein. <laughs> Zipperstein. Okay, here we go. Uh, here's his first clip. I don't even remember what these. Oh, Schneider. K.A. Schneider. People all over the globe are being reached through our gospel crusades in places like Africa and through the television broadcast that goes all over the world. Beloved, I know that people are asking you for financial support all the time and that many of you are turned off by it. And you know what? I understand that. But will you give me just a few minutes of your time today to share my heart with you and why discovering the Jewish Jesus Beloved One is worthy of your financial support? I want to pray for you. Then I've got a biblically-based message. I believe God's going to speak to many of us by it. Okay, so he has a biblically-based message that is going to speak to a lot of people. Okay? That is his opener. I love how he says that he doesn't like it when ministries ask for money. I want to also speak to you about simply the need to be obedient. You see... From the very beginning, we find that God wanted us to honor Him and surrender our hearts to Him 
in every area of our life, including our finances. Some people think that, you know, tithing is just an Old Testament principle from the law. That's not true. Tithing took place, beloved, from the very beginning. Before the law was ever given, we find that Abraham, who's called the, the, uh, the, the first of all believers... What did he do? The Abraham, the father of believers, when he met Melchizedek, the high priest, he gave Melchizedek, as his way of being obedient to the Lord and loving him, a tenth of all that he had. In other words, the principle of tithing and being obedient to God with our finances, it's before the Ten Commandments. It's before the law. It's just a natural way that we walk with God, and it speaks of obedience. And so we give our offerings and our tithes and our financial sacrifices to God simply as a way, beloved ones, of being obedient. You see, Jesus said, go into all the world, get it now, this is his get last words to us in Mark, and preach the gospel to all creation. This is the mandate of the church. So if you want to participate in spreading the gospel to all creation, give us you money. need to be financing those ministries that God has raised up and given them a platform to do that with. Okay, so the only reason that I have this clip, uh, that I pulled this clip, is just to, to demonstrate this is twisting of the word. Now, I don't doubt that, uh, that this gentleman, uh, K.A. Schneider, Loves the Lord. I know, you know, he seems very sincere from what I've seen of him. I don't know him personally, okay? He seems very sincere. He's trying to spread the word of God. That's fair, okay? Torah Resources is trying to do the exact same thing. I get it. I know what it's like, okay? I know what it's like to, to, you know, wonder if the Lord's going to supply your needs in a month. The problem that I have with this and the problem that I had with this other guy, Jonathan, uh, you know the letter that I showed at the beginning. The problem that I have is that they're using they're they're pulling on heartstrings. They're using the word and they're twisting the word to try to get money. You don't need to do that. The Lord will supply your needs if he want if he likes the work you're doing. That's all there is to it. I, what do you think, Rob? Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I mean, no, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. Oh, thanks, I think man. you know that both these guys mentioned obedience. Both the uh, this rabbi guy and then the guy prior talked about obedience and God commanding. And I was like, wow, you know, those are do they really want those words? Because if we're going to take like Bob, who was going to church, are we going to really start talking about commandments and obedience? This this messianic rabbi guy. He, I wonder where his issue is on that, or if he's more in the, that God, they're really Jewish cultural expressions, like Stepakov says. Are they Jewish? Are, you know what I mean? Are, it, it's like, it's like they trim, trim the message to fit, give us money, you know, rather than let's actually look at the scriptures. Steve's the only one who got my reference. Um, so Lois asked this question, Caleb, Rob, would you consider the scriptures about honoring God with the first of your increase to have other definitions somewhere so a person would know how much would be honoring? Once again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't bring, uh, you know, that you shouldn't give and give freely. As believers, we're told, you know, we shouldn't be stingy with anything that we have. We shouldn't, we should give freely. And when someone's in need, we should give it to them. Um, and I think that it's important to, to support our local communities and to uh, help, uh, you know, in terms of uh, paying for buildings and paying for uh, outreach and all those kind of things. 
What I'm saying is, is that this idea that you have to give 10% of what you make monetarily to your community is made up. It's a lack of knowing the scriptures. It's twisting the scriptures. You can say, you know, you could say, hey, look, we're having trouble here. The Lord says that if, you know, to, to give uh, the first fruits and whatnot. Uh, so if you feel like this ministry is blessing you, you know, if you feel like this congregation is, is something that you benefit from, then please keep it going and keep it going by, by uh, helping financially. Here's, here's another problem with the tithe. Someone could have, I mean, with the idea of, let's say, just for the sake of argument, that God commands the tithe, right, for the church. So that, let's just, even though I don't believe that, let's just take that. What, so I give, I look at my income and I get my paycheck and I take the tithe and I send it to Benny Hinn or one of these guys. And then it's just like, oh, okay, now I've done my duty. Now I've like, I've done my duty. The difference is that then there's this distance between between the investment. Like, in other words, in in actually taking and putting it into being being in the local body, it's not just finances that that your local church, if you want to call it that, needs. needs we need people to come and help set up chairs. We need people who are going to uh, gather, you know, plates that were left out, you know, or vacuum the floors or make coffee or do the children, you know, it, all sorts of efforts are needed to make the local That's right. church work. And it's a, what God wants is wholehearted effort in serving him and finding ways to, to be givers, to be cheerful givers it says in the Bible that it's, uh, uh, this is in the book of Acts. Paul quotes Yeshua saying it is more blessed to give. He says, I learned from the Lord Yeshua, more blessed to give than to receive. That our hearts would learn to be givers. And there's no limit on, on that because it's all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. We got and that all, the, even the rabbis say all that last one, all your meodicha, they interpret as financial in other words it's that that we would all our decision making would be oriented towards and and dependent upon our complete wholehearted love of god and his word and that's that's the core if you don't have if you're not there then this bob guy who kind of reads the bible sometimes and and he goes to church but he doesn't understand i mean he's got other issues besides giving money we have a lot of conversation on this going on in the (laughs) chat room robert says so how do you deal with galatians 6 6 nevertheless the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor not necessarily a tithe but are we commanded to support the local community i think that yes there is a uh some some form of you know if you are benefiting from the community then you should you should give to it. I, there's a gentleman I know. He was you know he the community needed somebody to be full time. They didn't take him on full time. You know he couldn't he couldn't stick around and and uh, wait for you know for that to happen. And so uh, they lost a good you know a good leader because the 
you know, they weren't willing to, to uh, pay for, for a leader. But that was their decision. They weren't, you know, I think that, yeah, they, there is there is some form of, of a need to uh, to support people. Marty asks, you are to give of the increase, as always. Yodhe acts for, first, and then we make a joyous free will offering to praise him. I, I agree. That's the point, is that we give a free will offering. Uh, the tithe has to do, you know, look, I don't have a problem with people saying, uh, you know, please, please help us out. In terms of a community, look, my community, here, here's the deal. My, and maybe this is, uh, maybe I'm biased on this. Maybe I'm biased because of the way that I was raised. My community has never passed a plate. We've never asked for an offering. Nothing. There's a box in the back. It's in, it, there's Hebrew lettering on it. I've had people who have come for months finally come to me and say, we, uh, is there anywhere to give money? We don't, you know, no one's ever said anything about a tithe or anything. I'll point them to the box. You know, yeah, you can give, you can give freely. And the idea is, is that you will, uh, you know, if God wants it to keep going, people are going to give to it. Torah resources never ask for money. We pray, I was, I was we pray a lot. To, uh, a friend of mine, Adam, who I have a few friends that are Adam. I have like four or five Adams, so no one's going to know which Adam this is. <laughs> but Adam visited a big, prominent UMJC synagogue in Richmond, Virginia, um, where one of the the big rabbis there, I think it's, uh, I can't remember, he wrote that dissertation on Jews, for uh, to the Jews or something like that. Anyway, he um, he said that they had a big, huge passing the plate in the middle of the service, like right down the middle. It was this big thing, and all the people coming up, and you could see who was putting money in. This is on a this is a Shabbat service. I was shocked. <laughs> I'm not. The, the, the uh, 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 Rabbi Rudolph. The, the, it was his congregation, and I was like, well, "Really?" I'm like, "That's." I didn't even know they did that. The, the, I've, uh, been, I've been in a Sephardic synagogue where, I mean, tr- not uh, not Messianic, I mean, traditional Sephardic synagogue on a Shabbat, and they, before the reading of the Torah, they did, uh, uh, I don't remember the term, but basically they, they kind of have this bidding war for who's going to, for the order yeah. of the readers of the Torah portion. Like, yeah, they did 2000, that at Asia Torah, 2,000 bucks. Yeah, two thousand, da, 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 and then they come up, and then the person holds the holds the the Eitz Chaim, or you know the the Torah scroll handle, and then the cantor reads that portion in that person's name. Yeah, and then they've pledged, they've pledged that money. They don't write the check right there, and it was weird. It felt like I'm like this is Shabbat. <laughs> and that was strange. So this this idea of money, and you know, locally we've had the issue of people you know coming up. On Shabbat, because we just—I mean—in our community, no one, everybody just gives and puts in, you know. We and we just pay our expenses. No one's drawing any kind of uh, uh, takeaway. We when we have extra, sometimes we'll buy library books and put them in there. But in any event, people coming up to me with a handful of cash here. Can I give you this? And I say, well, here, put it in this drawer. You know, (laughs) I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) So then we started creating envelopes for people, but it. But we're we're not. That's the other thing. We've never asked. We're just really blessed when when people are able to give and they give, and it helps us pay our rent and electricity and that's it. And uh, you know, however, and we are always praying. You know that God will guide our hearts in deciding uh, 
We sure do we pray a lot. That's that's for sure. We pray a lot. Prayer is the core. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, you know, I thought that we weren't going to be able to fill uh, our time today, which I f- I feel pretty much every week. Um, so I pulled this clip. Have we gotten to the main topic yet? <laughs> yeah, we're in the we're, the mailbag was the main top topic. Oh. Um, well, let's let's move to Grace's uh, question. She says, "Here's a question I have, and may ask Tim on Wednesday night if the followers of the Way in the first century were a sect oh. of Judaism. Does that mean that we identify as a sect if we don't have some affiliation to Judaism? Isn't there a danger in assimilation, much like what the Hellenistic Jews experienced? Just some thought questions based on con- uh, yeah. Okay, so um, <clears throat> pardon me. I know that Rob is is revved and ready to weigh in on this." I would say I wrote I wrote a paper on on this uh, same kind of subject. It's going to depend on who you're asking, in my opinion. Personally, I think that yes, we are a sect of or a form of Judaism, and the reason why is because Judaism basically says that uh, we have been given the covenants by God, and that we look for the Messiah, and. Uh, that we believe in the Messiah and that we take our cues and our, our life from the Torah and from the scriptures. Well, that's what my, my friend Adam says, you've heard of Jews for Jesus. We're Christians for Moses. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, it gets into labels. People want to, they want to package you, put you in a box, stamp and deliver, you know? And, and that's the issue. Well, and it's like, what hill well, what label are you going to die for? You know what I mean? Ultimately, these labels fall short. My argument in the reply on the Facebook was that in terms of Paul's testimony in Acts 24, he says which the, uh, the way which they call a sect. That is, and he's referring back to earlier in 24 where the accusers say that he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Paul's distancing himself. He just He's just calling it the way. In other words, um, that... This idea of Judaism, too, Paul, in my view, Paul distanced himself from in Galatians. And, you know, he, he, it, Judaism today doesn't mean the same thing as it meant in the first century no doubt. at all. No at doubt. At all. You're right. Completely different. Um, and so we get into this, this war of labels, of whose label am I really going to stick with? And I don't think that's what it's about. That's... Because it's you're going to have endless debate. Yeah, endless you are. debate. Okay, and so that's that's my perspective. That was a quick one. We'll do another quick one, and then we'll move to this clip, which could take up another hour. Um, Ken writes: Should Messianic congregations conduct conduct evangelistic efforts? It seems that many Torah observant believers are more concerned with converting their church going friends and family. How do we reach out to the lost with our message? Is it different than how the church does it? That's a very good question, um, and I think the answer is yes, we should still do evangelistic efforts. However, one of the things that I see, one of the big problems that I see is that the Christian church constantly is trying to leave and go to a third world country to give the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that those people don't deserve the gospel, and yes, those efforts are very good efforts. But the but to me, it's kind of like, oh, we, well, what about the community around you? You know, what about what about the people right around, you know, your house and your congregation. And it's it's almost the idea of, well, we've given them the gospel and they, they didn't accept it. <laughs> so we're going somewhere else. Um, I think that one of the ways that we uh, 
that we reached the outside world. This is personal opinion. I'm. This is just my personal thought. Um, one of the way that one of the ways that we reach the outside world is by showing com- an extreme amount of love and compassion, and uh, doing so uh, lovingly and giving and uh, and just trying to live out the commands of of the of the Almighty of Yeshua. Uh, to love our neighbor as ourself, and to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength. Right, but, and, and having a, 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 the backbone of the Torah as where discipleship orients you to. That's the thing. Part of the Great Commission is discipling. And what is making disciples means making learners, right? A disciple, a Talmud, means you're a lomed, you're, you're learning. And it, there's a whole orientation. It means your growth of your faith is... A, is primarily one of learning, which means you're studying the scriptures. It means you're taking the words of Yeshua uh, uh, totally seriously. And that involves taking the commandment seriously and, you know, that whole world. And I think, you know, uh, some, and I'm not, I haven't studied a lot of this, but I know that some of the big time evangelical efforts like Billy Graham, etc., really didn't produce long-term fruit. In other words, the, it was like, it was in Yeshua's parable, and, and some of the things I've heard and read, that it was more like seed falling on the, you know, the wayside, the birds come and steal it away. Um, the discipleship is a long-term, That's lifelong right. yeah. uh, journey, and it, it, it's, it's not drive through freeze dried pick it up at the window kind of thing it's that's all, not what uh, yeah and it's also not uh condemnation right exactly. I, I saw it, I, I saw a great documentary about it uh, when John the Baptist was preaching I mean these he was preaching to Jews who you know knew the Torah already yeah you know not anyway go ahead sorry Oh, no, you're fine. I saw a great documentary about a, 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 I don't know, Anglican priest or something. Basically, he outreached to gang members. And the way that he did that was by telling them, I'm always here for you. I know you're still gangbanging. I know, you know, but, you know, if you ever want to talk, I'm always here for you. Amen. That's awesome. And, That's- you know, where other people would have been scared, you know, these guys got huge tattoos on their face. They're, you know, they're gangbanging. They're killing people, all sorts of stuff. And instead of, you know, you shouldn't be doing this, you know, those kind of things, uh, he's sitting there saying, hey, man, I'm always here to talk to you. If you ever need help, just let me know. That is and he's, Hashem. And he, Hashem. That's the kind of thing where someone's actually putting their life into the ministry like that and saying, you know what, I'm here for the long term. Because really, some of those people, it might be several years. You know, they'll, they'll ping every once in a while, and then slowly they'll realize everything else around them has changed, but that guy's still standing on the rock. Well, and, and the issue is, is that, you know what, this guy has built now the largest gang ministry in all of the United States and probably one in all the world. Wow. Um, so, but, you know, there are things that I do. A lot of people always, I mean, the, the controversy of me wearing a yarmulke never ends. I'm constantly uh, talking about that with uh, fellow believers. But the main reason that I wear a yarmulke is because it opens dialogue. I am asked almost on a daily basis, I would say five times a week, someone that I don't know walks up to me and asks me if I'm Jewish or 
you know, tries to strike up a conversation with me about religion. It's, it's an opener. There's other reasons why I wear it as well. I don't believe it's a commandment and I don't think that there's anything wrong with not wearing yarmulke. Um, so, but that's one of the main reasons is because it strikes up the conversation. So yes, I think that we should be doing evangelistic efforts. Let's go to something. This could be very interesting. I've seen Rob get very uh, animated. This could be a Hoff goes off moment. I don't know. Uh, here we go. This is a three minute long clip. I think this is the longest clip we've ever had on the Robin Caleb show. That's not our own. Here we go. But uh, regarding the name of God, this is a uh, early representation of some of the uh, the Hebrew, uh, the the early. Uh, rendition of the Hebrew, sort of a pictograph uh, language there. And you can go online and see like the Paleo Hebrew and the Ancient Hebrew and stuff uh, and, and see different depictions for the letters of the alphabet, the Hebrew letters, and their corresponding meanings. You know, our letters don't... Let's hang on for just a second. I should tell anyone who's just just tuning in, like just finding us for the first time, we do not believe in Hebrew pictographic meaning. Yes, we do not. Uh, we don't believe that you can find extra meaning. Anything. It's just A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Um, so, uh, but the the Hebrew letters actually have meaning. In fact, when I was taking Hebrew 101 twice, <laughs> we learned that uh, every word basically is based on like a two or three letter Shoresh root word um, that they add per six two and you know depending on whatever the root word is you know you can add prefix or suffix to it but uh, it'll still have the inherent meaning of the root as part of the words meaning um but also it can contain the combined meanings of the letters that make up the word and so we are taught that if every uh letter has up to seven meanings they they say then okay. every Hebrew uh, word must have uh, 70 meanings. Uh, <laughs> Go, Rob. Stop. <laughs> are you try- what, are you, what are you trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I told you I didn't know if we were going to. took Hebrew 101 twice. And <laughs> it's, he obviously didn't have a teacher who could speak Hebrew because it's not Shoresh. It's Shoresh. It's a segalit. And. Oh, my goodness. Hang on. It gets even better because this is not about Hebrew word pictures. He's not talking about Hebrew word pictures, Rob. You know what he's talking about? Testing my tolerance. Testing okay, your, no, he's no, he's going to be talking about the sacred name. Oh, it's a pretty deep language as you look into it. Uh, but what's really cool when you look at the name of God, thus spelled, yod Hey vav Hey, reading right to left as the Hebrews do, uh, it's interesting. I'm going to show you something reading left to right right now. Uh, what the meaning of those letters are. Of course, reading right to left in Hebrew would be hand, behold, nail, behold, hold, excuse me. But reading in English left to right, behold the nail, behold the hand. That's rather interesting. What's rather interesting is that he has now had to change the text. So instead of reading it the way it's supposed to go, he has to now reverse the text to make it say what he wants. Let's keep going. The name of our God actually talks about a hand with a nail in it. No, it doesn't. Like right from the beginning, when he first introduced himself to mankind, he was telegraphing something. He was telling us something. Yes, he, <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was telling us something, and he was telegraphing us something. It had nothing to do with a hand and a nail, though. That part of the Hebrew language had been gone for so long. 
so long. There is going to be a hand with a nail in it. And even in the modern uh, version of Hebrew, the, the way the letters are, are depicted today, you can put together interesting pictures like this. Yod, hey, vav, hey. What he's done is he put the hey at the bottom, then the vav almost touching it, then a hey above it. So it looks like a body with like shoulders and hands, and then the yod on top to be the, the uh, okay. Uh, sort of like the god man right there. Anybody uh, care to guess which hand we're talking about that has a nail in it? The left or the right hand? I'm sure you're probably thinking the right hand. Well, there's good reason to think that way. Because you can see all through the scriptures a reference to God's right hand. Exodus 15, 6, for instance. Your right hand, Yahuwah, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, Yahuwah, has dashed the enemy in pieces. Wow. Okay, so basically, now uh, this is just an intro clip, but um, you know, look, ladies and gentlemen, here's the here's the issue. If it sounds if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I'm not saying that there isn't great stuff in the Bible, but what I'm saying is is that this is nonsense. You can't just make stuff up to make it sound really good and then 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 pawn it off as truth. People keep saying, "Oh, Rob, Caleb, you guys are so mean. You could come down on everything." No, what we do is we look at stuff. With reality, this is nonsense. Okay, but this is where Rob is really going to have fun. Okay, let's let's talk about this real quick. Hang on, where did this go? There we go. Um, but I'll tell you why I landed on Yahuwah uh, is because of the names of the prophets. And you can go to a website, BehindTheName.com, and look up some of the prophets' names. There are a number of them that include the name of God in their name, such as Jeremiah, Yahu. See, the part, his name, actually, Jeremiah or Yahu means Yahuwah has uplifted. But it's pronounced Yahu, that portion of God's name that's incorporated into Jeremiah's name, Yahu. Uh, same thing with uh, Eliyahu, Elijah. My God is Yahuwah. The, the pronunciation is Yahu. Uh, and Yasha Yahu or Isaiah, Yahuwah is my salvation. So really uh, it was the incorporation of the name of God in the prophets and the way it is pronounced that caused me to land on the pronunciation of Yahuwah. Okay, you want to take this? Rob, Go. No. <laughs> I don't want to touch that. <laughs> okay. First of all, the name uh, Yod. Hey, yeah. The uh, the name. Well, let's clear this up for it's people. Logical. If, it's not logical, and the reason why is because first of all, no one would ever name their child with the sacred name of God in the actual name. They changed it. They did it so that no one would would say the name in their child's name. Second of all, the sacred name of God is not spelled out within those names. You don't have Yod Hey Vav Hey at the end of Jeremiah. There's no there's no Hey. It doesn't work like that. Uh, <laughs> TRX man is now known as Yod Resh. Um, where did you get? Where did this guy come from? Do you okay? So uh, our our buddy Rob sent us this video on the triangle of Yahuwah or whatever and asked us to comment on it. It's so full of nonsense. It's hard to, it's almost impossible. Oh, is that the one with the P 
pyramid? Yes. It's almost... Oh, it's, I remember. It's almost yeah. impossible to even comment on the video because everything in it is nonsense. I didn't see one thing that I agreed with. And the, the video is an hour and 45 minutes long. I didn't watch the whole thing. I only watched about 45 minutes of it. But, I mean, the whole thing is just... It's just very difficult. But anyway, this was like in the first 10 minutes, he talks about the sacred name of God. And I just thought, hey, you know what? Uh, Maybe we should explain. Actually, maybe we should have Rob explain. Rob, give us a rundown real quick. Now, I know that you've done this many times. Give us a quick rundown on why we would not pronounce the name and why it's not Yahweh or maybe it is Yahweh or why Why wouldn't we take Yahuwah and just start using the name Yahuwah? What's wrong with the sacred name movement? Go. There's so much that needs to be said about that, and I don't want to say it. But in my view, my view is this. My view is that uh, Yeshua's words, the student is not above his master, Right? The student is not, the disciple is not above his teacher. And the apostolic writings use Yeshua himself, uses all sorts of uh, ways to talk about the Father, but doesn't, doesn't teach the disciples how to, quote, pronounce the sacred name correctly. That's not an issue they get into. It's not even an issue they debate or even talk about. And so... All the stuff that's out there of people going back and forth, and the other one we saw, Lou White, saying you take the tribe Yehuda and you take the Dalit out, and then it gives you that same Yahuwah. Um, I, I just think that it's I, it, it seems to be a distraction. It's another tactic of the enemy to try to get people divided. That's the way I and so I go back. What is this, what did Yeshua say? Why, if Paul and, and Yaakov, you know, Yochanan, all these uh, apostles and, and evangelists that wrote the scriptures, the apostolic writings, why, why am I going to try to one-up them? You know, they, they used kurios, they used uh, all sorts of different names. Well, and for, actually, wait, for, that brings up a good point, Rob, is because the other... Why, end, why, why am I above them? The, why, the why, other, why know that they don't? The other end of the spectrum, though, Rob, is that there are people within the Christian church that say... You have people in the Messianic uh, world that are saying you shouldn't use the word God, you shouldn't use the word Lord, you shouldn't use the word Jesus. None of these things are in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Then you have people on the other end of the spectrum in the Christian church that are saying these Messianics are out to lunch, you shouldn't use the word Yeshua, you shouldn't use the word, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, we should use the Jesus and, and, and God and these kind of things. Both of those views are wrong. There's, there's no pagan origin to the word God. There's no pagan origin to the word Lord or to Jesus. Jesus is not derived from Zeus. I'm sorry. That's absolute nonsense. Yeah, that's... that's. Okay, and and uh, the idea that we shouldn't use the word Yeshua because it's not in the, in the uh, apostolic scriptures is also nonsense. Look, it, the word of God spans multiple languages now. Granted, it was in an original language. If you want to uh, use what the apostolic scriptures actually say, well, then you shouldn't use Jesus and you shouldn't use Yeshua. You should use Yesu. Okay? Uh, Beyond that, 
You know what? Jesus is an English pronunciation of Jesus. Yeshua is a Hebrew pronunciation of Yeshua, of Jesus, um, of Yesu. So to try to say that, and God and Lord, these are English words. They're words that are derived from other things and not from pagan gods. That's total nonsense. It's total nonsense. And Rob, you're right. It's a distraction. It's a total distraction. Don't be sucked into the distraction. Um, We could do a whole show on the sacred name. We could. And Rob. Or two or three or four or five. Exactly. Okay. So anything else, Rob? I have one more clip. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. This is on the sacred name as well. You want to listen to it or not? Sure. Let's hear it. Let's see what we got here. Um, my computer is running so slow right now. Hang on just a sec. There it is. It becomes easier to understand why all the names have been so defiled and messed with in the Bible. I mean, uh, there is no Jesus. His name was never Jesus. It's Yahshua. Yeah. Sure. Uh, his mother's name wasn't Mary, it was Miriam. Um, there is no James, the book of James, that's the brother of Yeshua. His name wasn't James, it was Jacob. Jacob. It's the devil's way of Jacob? masking... That's what he said, Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> I like that, Jacob. This guy obviously hasn't studied Hebrew, but he sure is, for the uninitiated, boy, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Um, not. Yeah, th- th- that's incorrect. I think we've already covered that. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Let's find a sound effect. They, you know what? They don't have any. They don't have anything of substance to teach. We do not get a lot of humor here, and when we do, it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, people don't have anything substantive, and so they they build hype. That's right. And then they get everybody stirred up by a wind of doctrine. These are wins. So check it out. Uh, shout out to my dentist. My dentist uh, is a Mormon gentleman and a really nice guy. And I took him a, I took him a uh, copy of, of one of our shows, the one that we did on the chronology of the Passion. Mm-hmm. He really liked it, and uh, or so he says. Well, no, he did. He 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 even called me to say that he really liked it. Very nice of him. Anyway, so he said, have you ever done a show on why you believe that the law of Moses should still be kept? <laughs> I said, yeah, we did four of them back in the first season. But maybe if, if people think if people think that uh, we should do it again, I saw that in the chat room, thanks. Um, if, <laughs> if people think that we should do another show on one Torah, then let us know. Uh, we're always looking for, for good discussion topics and whatnot. Um, yeah. So if you have something that you want to talk about, then by all means, let us know. We're all ears and we're always willing to um, hear what you want us to talk about. And yeah, I hope that uh, you've gained something from this. Uh, this has kind of been one of those shows where we're all over the place. Um, but yeah, I hope that you enjoyed it. Anything to add, Rob? No, I'd just like to say drinking water from my TR mug. Yes. Makes the water taste better. <laughs> so, hey, uh, if you do have a good show idea, then uh, email us 
radio at TorahResource.com, chag at TorahResource.com. Remember that the only thing that we're trying to do here is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. <laughs>